two years, three years, five years from now, we're all going to be using Bitcoin. Just like we all use email, just like we all have Twitter accounts and Facebooks, there will be a cryptocurrency that takes the place of national traditional currencies. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, folks, welcome back to the good old LOLP, the Lions of Liberty podcast, which, of course, is an extension of our website, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. And we are coming to you, as always, from the Lions of Liberty studios in what I would normally call sunny Los Angeles, but we're actually getting a little rain this week. Uh, you know, I'm an East Coast guy, so it's nice to see a little rain out here. But, you know, just like the post office, we trudge on through all sorts of weather. Now, one topic that is hot, I guess you might say, in libertarian circles, is this concept of cryptocurrencies, digital currencies, which many libertarians believe are the future of money and will foretell the downfall of that evil Federal Reserve System, which we have discussed several times on this show with G. Edward Griffin, with uh, Chris Rossini, and his book Set Money Free. And old fans of the show will also remember that I once interviewed Trace Meyer way back in episode 19, all about Bitcoin. He's a big advocate of that. And today we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this topic with another proponent of cryptocurrencies here with me today. My guest is the founder and CEO of altcoingraphs.com, Kevin Ostrowski. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. Oh, thanks for joining me today, Kevin. Now, why don't you have on the show? I, you know, I first heard your interview with a good friend of mine, Brian Engelman, over at the New American Media, good friend of the podcast as well. He's been on this show before. And, you know, you're very knowledgeable and passionate about cryptocurrencies. And this cryptocurrency stuff seems to be all the rage nowadays, particularly with libertarians. I see it often being promoted as sort of the solution to the problem of the Federal Reserve, destroying the dollar and that sort of thing. So, I really want to dig a little bit deeper into this stuff. But first, why don't you just start out by you know telling us a little bit more about yourself. How did you first become so interested in cryptocurrencies? Sure. So I've been a software engineer for the past 15 years and uh, worked on all kinds of projects at all different kinds of companies. I started my career working as a, at a merchandising company for pop stars and rock stars. You know, total entertainment side of the development industry. I moved to a podcasting company which was called Podshow at the time, and transitioned to Mevio. And um, we built one of the first podcasting networks uh, out there. And from there, I kind of just moved from company to company. And I've always been passionate about art. I've always been passionate about music. And I've always been passionate about development. And, um, you know, come last January, or this recent January, you know, I'd heard about Bitcoin every now and then. I've heard about cryptocurrencies, but never really, really looked into it. And then one day I just started looking into it and it uh, just blew my mind of all the possibilities out there, all the different, you know, all the different factions of Bitcoin, all the, the amount of money that's currently in it, plus just the potential amount of money in the future. So uh, from that point, I just started immersing myself into it. And uh, at first I, I was just uh, trying to trade. I was just, I just wanted to make some money, you know, but as I dug into it more, I realized that there was a huge possibility for an entire industry based on Bitcoin. So I started putting my development skills to use and I threw together uh, the first version of altcoin graphs back in February and from there it's just kind of snowballed and I've added new exchanges. We've completely upgraded our system now and we're a fully uh, supported trading platform so any of the exchanges we support 
you can join our beta and you can actually trade directly on all the various exchanges. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for you know where I see as far as my future in uh, the cryptocurrency space. Altcoin Graphs is a super solid platform, but it's really just the tiniest bit of where things are going to go for us. And Altcoin Graphs, just to kind of a further detail, is it's basically a, a trading platform that you set up, where almost like a forex exchange where you can trade different bitcoins and different sorts of cryptocurrencies. Is that is that about accurate? Or um, well, we're not an exchange ourselves. Um, what we do is we interface with all the top exchanges. Gotcha. We don't hold your money. We just uh, proxy through us. So it's one interface for you to trade on all the different exchanges. You're more of a great connector for people that want to you know, get involved in different sort of cryptocurrencies. Exactly. And it started out because there was really no analytics site for, there was for Bitcoin, but there's all these different like, altcoins, all these tiny cryptocurrencies, and there's thousands and thousands of them. But there was no, no one central place where you could go and kind of analyze the graphs. So that's, that's where it started from. And it just kind of expanded into being able to trade. And some of the stuff we're working on now is uh, really high volume trading on some of the really big Bitcoin exchanges. So that's some of the cool stuff that's coming in the future. But as the site is now, if you're, you know, if you hold any kind of digital currency, you're going to want to check it out because you're going to be able to track all of your coins, track your entire portfolio and do it all from one place. Now, I will freely admit that the subject of cryptocurrencies is one area where I'm, I'm really, I, I would consider myself the ultimate layman. I really know very little about the subject. It's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show with you. My entire knowledge uh, basically comes from the one interview I did back in episode 19 of the show with Trace Meyer talking about Bitcoin. So, you know, why don't you just explain a little bit more, you know, why should the regular man on the street, maybe just a regular guy who's going about his day, yeah, maybe he's a little frustrated about rising prices, maybe he has a little, a vague concept of the Federal Reserve and knows that they're really hurting our currency through inflation, you know, but maybe, you know, otherwise they're okay, they've got their normal bank account, they they see no reason to truly shake things up, so why should that normal person, the layman, why should someone like me become interested in cryptocurrencies? Well, I think there's a few different reasons. You know, it really depends on the person itself. You know, if you're if you're kind of a, a an investor and you have a lot of money and you you know you want to make a little extra money, you know, that's a good reason to get in Bitcoin. For kind of the average person, the reason to get into it is to get into it now. Is you know, two years, three years, five years from now, we're all going to be using Bitcoin, just like we all use email, just like we all have Twitter accounts and Facebooks. There will be a cryptocurrency that takes the place of national traditional currencies. Um, so get in early. You get some now. If you're a trader, you're going to worry about the price. If you're an average person, just buy it, hold it. You know, keep an eye on it. Make sure you're not losing you know, all of your money. But um, it, it's that's where the future is. The future is paperless money. The future is paperless everything. And the blockchain itself, Bitcoin is a is essentially a token. Um, and what all these cryptocurrencies work on is called the blockchain. So the blockchain is the, really the interesting part of all this technology. That's where the real value of it is. And what that is, is it's a public ledger of every transaction that happens. So what Bitcoin does is it removes the bank completely. You hold your Bitcoins, you hold them on your computer, you hold them on an online wallet. There's no bank. The only transaction fees you pay are a really small service fee for uh, transmitting your Bitcoins. So it, it removes you completely from the bank. You hold your money. You know, it's, it's essentially like sticking your money under the mattress. You have full control over it. Nobody can take it unless they you know, completely steal your hard drive. And you, know, you hold control. You decide what you do with it. 
Now, keep in mind, I'm a layman here, so you might need to explain things to me, you know, in a, in a little deeper detail here. But when I hear, hear something like a public ledger, you know, the first thing I think is, oh, this stuff is public. This stuff can be tracked. The government can track what you're doing with Bitcoin. You know, is, is that is there any truth to that? I mean, I, I do hear it being promoted as, you know, for its anonymity and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I see, you know, certain organizations. We saw the Silk Road get busted. We saw Silk Road 2.0 get busted. So... You know, it's promoted as being anonymous, and yet I, I hear things like public ledger, and that the first thing I think is, oh, this is all out there. So, so what's your response to that? Well, the public ledger, it's it's public as in I can see your transaction, you can see my transaction, and I can see everybody's transaction. But there's no, it doesn't tie your wallet address is not tied to you specifically. Um, you could create a new wallet address for every transaction. So it's like having a new credit card number every time you use your credit card. So it can be essentially tracked in that way, but um, it, it's really difficult to track. And Bitcoin itself is, is working on complete anonymity, but right now, yes, obviously uh, the NSA has some means to uh, you know, connect a few dots, but it's, it's not easy for them. Um, but what's being developed now is there's a, there's a bunch of coins out there that are, that's their entire focus, is to remove it from the, the kind of public networks and move it on to the proxy networks and completely remove all traces. Nobody's actually fully succeeded on that, but it's, it's getting there. And Bitcoin's a really good step. Um, you know, it's not as anonymous as cash, but it's way more anonymous than a credit card. Now, you seem to be very confident that, as you mentioned, in five or six years, we'll all be using Bitcoin. And what is it about, is it Bitcoin specifically that you think is going to take off or do you just see crypto in general as becoming the way we do everything? Oh, when I say Bitcoin, I'm really kind of referring to crypto in general. I mean, it's completely possible that Bitcoin, you know, becomes a thing of the past. But the the technology of cryptocurrencies and the blockchain that that's what absolutely is not going away. Because um, because it, it it applies to you know when you read about it and you look at it, you think of it as almost like a stock, right? You you, you know, Bitcoin is worth this, it's worth that. Yeah, you could buy something with it. But generally, people are using it as a stock right now. But that that's it's not really the and, the full potential, not even close. So with the blockchain, it allows you to do things beyond just financial transactions. As I mentioned on uh, New American Media Show, there was an actual wedding that took place and two people you know, were legally married through the blockchain, essentially saying that you know, this is a public record saying we are married, it's available to everybody to see, and this is a legal binding agreement. So what you're going to see in the next year or two is a lot of smart contracts. Um, being able to take out loans through a blockchain where there's no human intervention. If you, you, know, you default on the loan, it's all automatic. It allows for you, know, you to mortgage your house. There, there's infinite possibilities of what can be done on the blockchain itself. So Bitcoin, I don't think, will be gone anytime in the near future. But um, to say you know, just Bitcoin is really underselling what the whole technology is. Wow, so there are really maybe the the coin aspect and the money exchange aspect. It sounds like that's only the tip of the iceberg of what this sort of overriding concept of the blockchain can be. It can be you know something where we have contracts, like you mentioned, or you know can people tie their property, ownership of their property, other property besides money into blockchain and that and that sort of thing. I mean, is that do you just see it as basically something that can become applicable in almost every aspect of our lives? Yeah, exactly. There's you know there's going to be an equivalent to something you can do on the blockchain for. A lot of the a lot of the things that involve paper today, so the you know contracts and license agreements and a lot of those things can be all automated and remove you know the human error portion, remove 
you know, a, a lot of the kind of overhead that you get from a typical structure where you have to call somebody and they have to file papers. It, it just, if you haven't paid by this date, your loan gets defaulted, you know, your assets are held in this, in this wallet, essentially, um, it gets transferred over to your creditor and that's it. There's just no intervention. It's just smart, it's logic, and it's done all through uh, the blockchain. And on top of that, you'll be able to, it'll be public, right? So I might not know that you're the one that defaulted the loan, but everything that happens, you know, is, is logged, you know, and date stamped. So there's some, you know, it's really hard to manipulate. You can't, you can't go out and create your own blockchain and have it mess with the current blockchain. It's, it's, every client would have to be changed in order for that to happen. The future is going to be very much based on the blockchain. Bitcoins themselves will increase in value. And I think we'll, what we'll see is a lot of these cryptocurrencies, a lot of these altcoins are going to go away. But um, I think we're, we're going to end up with you know, five or six really strong, really solid currencies that will be the base of all of this. I guess what I'm trying to wrap my head around um, in terms of not just Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies in general, is where do they really derive their value from? Is it Because to me, it seems a lot of people are, are seeing it as a sort of... Um, like a virtual gold kind of thing, although it's not actually tied into gold, kind of a protection against inflation, you know, trying to sort of escape the dollar system, escape the banking system that we, we know is just so manipulated in so many ways. I mean, do you see it deriving its value from that or, you know, from its anonymity, from, you know, the ease of transactions? What do you think really gives cryptocurrencies value over something, say, like someone that might just want to buy precious metals or keep cash in their house or that kind of thing? Sure. Um, well, Bitcoin itself is a finite number. So like gold, there's only so much that will ever be in circulation. So that right there gives it, gives it value. Um, but that doesn't give it its current value. Um, like anything, like any stock or even any precious metal, the only thing that gives it value is people. So people give it the value. The you know, traders give it value. But what's really giving it its value is the infrastructure behind it. So there's a lot of other coins out there. Some of them have smaller supplies. Some of them have larger supplies. Some of them are way more advanced as far as technology. But Bitcoin's kind of been adopted as the de facto standard when it comes to cryptocurrencies. So when you have a finite amount of coins and you have X amount of people that would like to purchase those coins, it, you know, the, it's supply and demand. Supply and demand is absolutely what gives it its current value. But there are, you know, there are some technical reasons behind it definitely, you know, finite amount definitely adds to the value of that. Because if it was infinite, then it's just all hype. If, you know, if, which it isn't, it is a lot of hype and it is a lot of people and a lot of manipulation as far as the market price goes. Because what you have is you have a small group of people that have a lot of the money and these aren't even traditional um, financial institutions, right? A lot of the people that hold a lot of the wealth are early adopters to Bitcoin. There are people that were, you know, just running it on their server farms, had in their house, and now they're millionaires. So you get it's it's a very strange kind of uh, ecosystem. But what you're starting to see is the bigger players, the Wall Street, the hedge funds. They're all starting to come in. So they're coming in, and you kind of off the wall traders that have accumulated all this Bitcoin. And what you're going to see is this kind of merge, and that's really going to dictate where the price goes in the next year or so. Now, let's say someone's listening right now and they, they like what you're saying. They think cryptocurrencies sound interesting, but 
you know, there might be some things that are stopping them from actually diving and investing in cryptocurrencies or just dipping their toe in the water even. And and for me, I mean, the biggest one is from the beginning, like I, you know, despite the fact that I run my own website and host my own podcast, I'm really not a computer guy. I really um, don't really know where to start. And I think that probably stops a lot of people. So, I mean, how difficult is it really to just start buying these sort of coins? I mean, what would be the, the first step someone would take just to get involved in this stuff? Sure. So, um, a year ago, it would have been very, very difficult. Um, I think I saw somebody somebody posting that. It's like, hey, you know, a year ago, we used to have to uh, wire money to a shady European country and hope we got our coins. So um, it, it's come along a long, long way in the last 12 months. Nowadays, it's as simple as going to a website, you know, entering your banking and credit card information and getting your Bitcoins transferred. The most secure and stable and... And the site I would recommend is a site called Coinbase. It's a U.S.-based site based in Silicon Valley. You know, traditional funding, it, it, it's playing nice with the government. So it's, it's a, good, a good, safe investment. That does require some time because um, they do have to validate your identity and validate your bank account. So you're looking at five days before you actually get your coins. There's other places out there where it's just as simple as, you know, entering a credit card. Those, you, know, you end up paying a little bit more of a premium. But, but nowadays, if you just want to get into Bitcoin, the best way is go to Coinbase, sign up, and that's pretty much it. It's, it's like logging into any other website at this point. Now, you mentioned one thing there. It's another one of the things that sometimes gives me a little pause when I think about cryptocurrencies. And you mentioned Coinbase sort of playing nice with the government. And I've heard of a lot of other, you know, sort of big players in the Bitcoin community that have had meetings with government officials trying to work out ways that Bitcoin can, you know, work into current regulations and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's that kind of stuff that makes me think, hmm, if if people are starting to get in bed with the government on Bitcoin, is that really a good thing? Is that really, you know, does that open up, you know, the idea of less anonymity? Are they going to make people sort of, you know, identify themselves and connect themselves with their cryptocurrencies? I mean, what, what would you say to that? It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> That's absolutely what it is. You know, it gets too in bed with the government, then you have you know, it's no different than traditional financial institutions. Um, if there's no government or no regulation involved at all, then, you know, it's the Wild West. And, and, and that's what we're seeing a lot. And I've seen this last year is there's been a ton of scams. And, you know, people have lost a lot of money. People have been sucked in and just gotten completely destroyed because there is no regulation at all. Um, so what I think we're going to see, and it's already kind of starting to happen a little bit, but um, I think 2050 or so yeah, 2015 is going to be the year of regulation for Bitcoin. And it's not a bad thing, in my personal opinion. I, I don't think the government is that interested in it, that it's going to, you know, completely control like it does the existing institutions. But I think what's going to happen is there's just so many people that have been ripped off and so many people that have gotten burned. And there's so much, you know, blatant market manipulation. So what you're going to see is there's going to be little, you know, the, the shadier companies are going to get shut down and companies are going to have to kind of meet these, uh, these security standards and, you know, the SEC standards, which that's for the company itself. And I'm fine with that. I, I think if you're, if you're operating within a, a country and I, I think you should be obligated to provide some kind, of, some kind of security to the government and to the people that this is a safe and secure service. But at the same time, 
you know, if it gets too far, then we're going to end up, you know, with the government controlling all the Bitcoins. And, you know, we're really not going to see any difference from where we are now. So it's going to be a very interesting year. Uh, they've SEC has already started kind of uh, attacking some of these uh, exchanges and services that aren't regulated. Another thing you're going to see is a lot of these companies, if, it gets too, if the regulation gets too tight, they're going to just up and move out of the country. China has a lot of uh, the Bitcoin volume. Um, China has a lot of the Bitcoin exchanges. So, you know, it, it, it moves it out of one country government and it'll move it into another country's government. But, you know, if there's no regulation, nobody will use it because everybody will get burned. If there's too much regulation, everybody will be forced to use it. So, like I said, double-edged story. That's a really interesting take because I see Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, you know, in the sort of libertarian circles I run in. And by running, I mean on social media and that, that sort of thing. But I, I really see it being promoted as sort of a black market currency, as something that's going to sort of battle the state and stay underground. And a lot of people seem to believe the more we can take these currencies and all our transactions underground, that somehow the state financial system will just wither away and die. And I, I don't particularly agree with that as a tactic at all. But you seem to see in a different way. You seem to see it um, more as cryptocurrencies becoming above ground and, you know, tying themselves into regulations to the point that they can prove their legitimacy and become just another sort of, you know, above ground currency. So you, would you really just sort of reject the idea of these coins as a black market thing? Um, Bitcoin, I would say yes. Uh, but I think what you're going to see is there are these other coins that are their entire point is for the anonymity and to keep themselves out of government regulation. So I think what we're going to see is, uh, you know, uh, various different flavors of coins, essentially. But um, Bitcoin itself, it's going to be regulated. It, it's already started and there's no stopping it. Uh, but, you know, if you want to do these illicit activities where you buy your Bitcoin and you take your Bitcoin and you buy these other coins and then you go use those coins. So I, I don't think the ability to conduct these anonymous transactions will go away. Um, I just think it, it, it just... There's going to be a shift in the way you use your Bitcoins. And, you know, another thing that kind of, I think, gives a lot of people pause before getting into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is they just see it as uh, very unstable. You, know, so you see Bitcoin shooting up in price one day, dropping down in price the other day. I mean, what do you attribute that to? And do you think that as more people start using these things, which is what you, you do see coming you know, ahead, do you see that the price is stabilizing more? I mean, how would you relieve that concern of anybody that says, well, hey, I kind of want to buy some Bitcoins, but I'm afraid I'll buy them at, say, $600 today and tomorrow they'll be at 200 and then I'll just, I won't know what to do. Do. So what would you say to that concern? If that's your biggest concern, then wait. Don't rush into it. You know, look at the market, you know, do a little bit of research, figure out where it's going to go and find your sweet spot. But um, if you're looking for a kind of a long or medium term investment, then, you know, right now the price is pretty cheap relatively. Um, when I got into Bitcoin, it was at $800. And, um, you know, and I thought that was a good deal at the time because it had just come down from its all time high. So I was all for, yeah, and, it, and it's just been progressively going down, and it goes up, and it goes down. Um, last week, I made more money off Bitcoin than I had ever made in a whole year, and the next day, I lost it. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a gamble if you're, really, if you're looking to trade and, and invest in that way. But um, if you're looking for kind of the stabilization, you know, take it, hold on to it. Um, it's it's going to stabilize. It's, it's just... Just how it goes. If, if the more people that use it, the more stable it will become. 
you know, sadly, the more government regulation, the more stable it will become. But uh, Bitcoin itself will be just as stable as the U.S. dollar, which actually, if you go look at graphs of the U.S. dollar versus Bitcoin, you know, it, it's not really that much more stable. It's just at the, the level of volume it's at, it, it, you know, price manipulations and movements aren't as drastic. But the more, you know, the more people that get into Bitcoin, the bigger investment firms that get into Bitcoin, and then, you know, coupled by general population getting into Bitcoin, it's going to find us that nice level sweet spot. It'll still have its fluctuations, but it won't be as drastic. You know, like you won't be looking at $100 changes over the course of a day or two. Kevin, I want you to take out your crystal ball uh, for a minute, which I hope you have in front of you there. And you mentioned that in five years from now, we'll all be using Bitcoin. We'll all be using cryptocurrencies. What I want to know is that where do you actually see this going in terms of not just Bitcoin, but other cryptocurrencies that might develop? I mean, obviously, if crypto becomes the next big thing, there's going to be a million other players that are going to want to come out and get involved with it. And we've already seen that. We've seen uh, every kind of coin. I've heard of the, the Dogecoin. Uh, we've got the, even Coinye West. I think Kanye made his own coin. Yeah, Coinye had a... Well, somebody made a Coinye coin. Yeah, I don't know if Kanye had anything to do with it himself. I, the only thing he had to do was his lawyer sending a cease and desist. Uh, I see. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's there's a coin for everything out there. I mean, it's it's kind of absurd, but you know, and it's 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 a maturing market. So you know, a couple people made a lot of money releasing coins. So what you get are these you know copy and paste scammers that just go because all this all this technology is open source. I mean, Bitcoin you could read every line of code. So you know, for me as a developer, if I wanted to release my own Bitcoin, wouldn't take very much. You know, I go download the project, make a couple tweaks, call it. You know. Altcoin, graphs coin, release it to the world, done. Um, but so a lot of these, a lot of these coins are garbage. They're they're built for the one sake of making the person that built them money. You know, to just kind of pump it up, get everybody excited, everybody buys into it. You sell all yours, and you have Bitcoin now. But there are there are definitely some coins out there that are working on pushing the envelope and actually working on technologies. And you know, some of these coins are doing some really awesome things. And, uh, you know, they, they could be the next Bitcoin. There's going to be competition. You know, there's a, a company called Ethereum, which is working on, you know, they were supposed to be the Bitcoin 2.0. And uh, back when I first started getting into this, they, it, they had some promise. Things didn't go as well as they planned. But there are companies putting a lot of money behind their products to kind of develop a better Bitcoin. You know, how many years ago everybody had a MySpace and MySpace would never go away. And now we all use Facebook. So... It's totally bound to happen. It's just a matter of timing and you know the right coin with the right technologies that appeals to the right group of people. And I, I think you know bringing in a lot of the anonymous aspects is going to be you know kind of gets the subculture market. So if you look at Bitcoin, that's really where it all started, right? It, it started in the Reddit's and you know the back alleys of the internet, the IRC rooms. But you know now you know you have you know my dad talking about Bitcoin, and you have you know general population. Knowing about it, they don't necessarily understand it, but um, it, it's it's moving in that direction. But at the same time, it just as light bulbs went off in my head for a bunch of different, you know, possibilities of what I could build for Bitcoin. You know, there's a lot of talented people out there and a lot of people with a lot of money that were going to ride this wave and they're going to try to dethrone Bitcoin. Not going to happen this year. Might not happen next year. Might never happen. But um, there's definitely going to be alternatives out there if you know you don't like the direction bitcoin's going do you see anything emerging that 
could kind of function like an ETF and be associated with the value associated with a hard asset of some kind, like a, a you know a cryptocurrency that's related to gold or tied to even the price of wheat or something like that. I mean, why is do you think the blockchain thing is superior or maybe you don't, I mean, to something like that, where it's actually tied to a hard asset of some kind? There are commodity coins. There's a coin called Euro, which is uh, their goal is to tie the, the price to one metric ton of fertilizer. Um, there's a coin out there called Cannabis Coin, which their goal is to tie uh, one cannabis coin to one gram of marijuana. So y- you look at this petrodollar, which um, was an attempt to tie a coin to the price of oil. So these commodity coins, and, and they're actually the more higher value coins, not necessarily the most high volume, but um, they hold some value. They, nobody's actually successfully pulled that off, but y- you see where that's going. So tying a coin to a real world asset is something that's definitely being done, and definitely a lot of people are thinking about that and, and how to tie those all together. Because if you can tie a coin to a commodity, then yes, it gives it absolute value. But in order to do that, I can't just say that, you know, rip up a piece of paper and say, well, this paper is worth, you know, one ounce of gold. Everybody has to believe that this paper is worth one ounce of gold. And it has to actually be worth that at the end of the day for it to be legitimate. Exactly. I have to be able to sell that paper to you for one ounce of gold. Otherwise, it's completely useless. But there are definitely teams and developers and full-on companies that are working on accomplishing that. And somebody will do it eventually. Um, it's just, you know, we're, we're kind of in the toddler stage right now, and we're growing up, um, and the industries, you know, it's moving from just the college kids, and we're starting to get the big, the big investors and the big players. Um, some big head funds recently have been coming into the picture, which is a lot to do with the recent price movements of Bitcoin. On the last week or so, it's gone up $100 and down $100 a couple times. So when you get all these you know, big players in with their billions of dollars, it's a, it's a whole new landscape. Now, I mentioned earlier, you know, cryptocurrencies, at least in the libertarian community, which I'm involved with, are often promoted and associated with the agorism movement. It's basically the idea that uh, black markets are the solution to all, all the world's problems. And that if we just sort of ignore the state, you know, ignore the banking system in this case, then it'll eventually you know, wither away and die. And we'll all just be happily, you know, using our cryptocurrencies with each other and be left alone. I don't think you necessarily see that happening. But what do you see of that view? Do you think that you know, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin can be a threat to the banking system, to the dollar system, to the Federal Reserve system, or do you just see it emerging as a uh, you know a convenient, interesting alternative that a lot of people are just going to start to use? No, it's absolutely a threat. Um, I mean, when I talk about regulation, I guess I'm talking more about like SEC and controlling price manipulation, not necessarily kind of big ba- you know banking. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, banks banks are scared. I don't. I don't. I, I think only a few of them have really grasped it and really taken it seriously. But um, I think over the next year or two, you know, you're going to see some obscure companies that are holding, you know, billions of dollars worth of bitcoins, and they're going to be rivaling, you know, some of the bigger bigger banks in the world. Um, and at that point, it's it's decentralized. It's not a national entity. It's a company. For better or worse, <laughs> I mean, I guess you choose uh, you choose the kind of manipulation you want. But um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be your typical banking investment kind of manipulation. It would be a little more commercial manipulation. 
but absolutely, it's it removes the bank from the picture. You don't need a bank to to deal with Bitcoin. Uh, you know, I have my wallet. You have your wallet. You decide it's this cost. I pay you. Done. That's it. There's also open markets out there, kind of like a a Silk Road. But um, there's there's a few that are still developing. There's one called Open Bazaar, which you know the the whole point of that is it's a completely free market. I can buy and sell whatever I want. You can buy and sell whatever you want. And it's entirely decentralized. It's, it's like Napster in a sense, right? It's peer-to-peer. So like the developer themselves said, once they start it, they can't stop it. Because as long as two people are running it, it's live and people can make trades. So you, know, you have things like that in the picture. And there's really no way for the government to shut it down completely. It's just impossible. So you know, it's, there's going to be regulation. The government's going to want a piece of the pie. But when it comes to the actual implementations and the actual use, that's going to be completely out of the government's hands because there's no way for them. The, the technology is based on peer-to-peer. So my computer talks to your computer, and the NSA can intercept those transactions, sure, but um, they can't regulate them. Now, Kevin, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the more outspoken critics against Bitcoin, such as uh, Gary North and Peter Schiff, uh, just to name a couple that have referred to Bitcoin specifically anyway as a pump and dump scheme. Uh, I know Peter Schiff has compared it to tulip mania, and, and he claims this is all just going to you know crumble in front of us and, and leave a bunch of people sort of empty-handed here. So I, I guess what would you be your general response to that overall criticism, which is I guess can basically be summed up as Bitcoin is a fraud. That's basically what, what they're saying at, at the essence. So what would you say to that? Um, it's not a fraud. You know, b- use caution with your financial decisions is my best, uh, my best advice. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see it as a complete pump and dump. There are definitely aspects of pump and dump, and I think that's where some of the regulation will help. Um, because if, you know, you have you know, a small percentage controlling all the coins and they want to move the price up or down, they're going to do it, and there's no way to stop that, right? But there's, there's too much infrastructure. There's billions of dollars put into not just the coins themselves, but there's you know, companies and networks, and it's just it's not going away. Bitcoin itself may be completely valueless in 10 years, but you know, the principles and the technology that Bitcoin brought to the table will absolutely still be even more prominent than anything anybody right now could even fathom. I'm glad you expressed those words of caution and, you know, admit that there may indeed be instances of fraud in this stuff because, you know, a lot of the Bitcoin proponents, when asked that question, will just say, no, no, that's nonsense. You know, that's not possible, yada, yada, yada. And I mean, I mean, there's fraud's possible no matter, you know, Bitcoin is just one thing. It's not necessarily good or bad and people can do both good and bad things with it. So uh, I'm glad you at least can see that, that, you know, it could really go either way and you shouldn't necessarily dive into things uneducated about what you're doing. Anything that involves a ton of money and is the Wild West, you, it's, you're going to have manipulation. There's, just, there's a lot of greedy people out there, and there's a lot of, a lot of evil people out there. So it, you, know, you can get ripped off in U.S. dollars just as easily as you can get ripped off in Bitcoin. That doesn't make the U.S. dollar better or worse in Bitcoin because I can be mugged. But, um, right. but yeah, there's definitely, you know, definitely use caution, but um, I, don't, I don't see it being valueless personally. That's that's my take on it. It's a wave right now. It's a wild ride, but um, you know, in the end, it's going to stabilize, and maybe we all have some other kind of coin. But um, we're we're all going to have the easy use of transferring money without using the bank, and you know, that's just where things are going. Well, Kevin, it's really interesting stuff, and it sure sounds like cryptocurrencies, if you're a fan of them or not, are 
here to stay for the long term, one way or the other, in one form or another. So it's definitely something that everyone's going to uh, at least should, should at least look into a little bit further, uh, especially with having so many problems with our banking system, with the fact that the dollar is clearly being damaged by you know the Federal Reserve's policies and that kind of thing. So there's definitely no doubt that there is a need for alternatives in currency, and uh, crypto is certainly one of those. So I really appreciate you coming on today and helping us inform our audience a little more about this stuff. Before I let you go, Kevin, I want to give you one more chance to plug altcoingraphs.com. Let everyone know the best way to get over there and sign up or, you know, and check things out there and also plug anything else you got going on and let people know how they can contact you. Absolutely. So once you've uh, picked up your first Bitcoins, head over to altcoingraphs.com. We are the most advanced trading platform you're going to find for your Bitcoins. Currently, our trading platform is in beta and it will be out of beta soon, but we're still letting in users. So go to the main site, click on the beta link and you can sign up. And uh, that'll let you monitor your portfolio and trade all of your coins directly from the site, all in one interface. And um, look forward to, I can't say too much right now, but um, the next uh, week or so, um, we'll be making some announcements about a product that will be released that's uh, geared more towards high volume and trading on margins and leverages and uh, features. So exciting stuff coming. All right, it's certain exciting stuff it is indeed, and especially for a layman like me who's struggling to wrap his head around the cryptocurrency stuff, but it's certainly fascinating. Kevin, thank you once again for joining us. I really do appreciate it, and best of luck with all coin graphs. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Take care. We'll talk soon. We'll be back after a little break. Do you want your kids to meet the champion of the Constitution? What if there was an illustrated book that introduced libertarianism to you through the story of Ron Paul's amazing life? What if this biography breaks down complex concepts like Austrian economic theory, the dangers of the Federal Reserve, blowback, and non-interventionist foreign policy? What if I told you this book is real and available? What if I told you that school libraries accept donations? What if you donate a copy to your local school library and give hundreds of youth the opportunity to meet Ron Paul? What if you don't? Who will? The book is Meet Ron Paul. And you can get your copy today at lionsofliberty.com slash meetronpaul. As Ron Paul has said, there can be no revolution without a revolution in education. Meet Ron Paul and keep the liberty movement moving. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. Chris Rossini's new book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. What every American needs to know about the Federal Reserve. Set Money Free. With a special foreword by Ron Paul. Set Money Free. It has easy to understand questions and answers. Set Money Free. Buy Set Money Free on Amazon.com. Set Money Free. Chris Rossini's Set Money Free. Set money free, set money free.
This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed my interview there with Kevin Ostrowski, who to me seems like a really genuine guy who's managed to turn his interest in cryptocurrencies into a nice little startup business, and and that's always good to see. And, you know, I'll admit that I, I consider myself a bit of a crypto skeptic, and not just because I'm a curmudgeon. Eh, maybe I can be. Because these currencies, much like what people always deride the U.S. dollar for, are essentially backed by nothing. You know, these currencies have value, but their value is basically a countermeasure to the fiat currency enforced upon us by the Federal Reserve, by the Federal Reserve funny money. And that's where the real value is derived, at least from my point of view, is as sort of a countermeasure to that. I mean, in a truly free market, I don't think we'd see a Bitcoin emerge, at least not in its current structure. I think we would have, you know, more legitimate currencies and currencies that are actually backed by things. And meanwhile, we have these cryptocurrencies that essentially are backed by nothing. Now, they attempt to recreate scarcity through their code and stuff like that. But to me, it's not, you know, it's not what an ideal free market currency would be. This is just my point of view and you know, the way I see it. I still don't own any Bitcoin. Hey, if you want to get into it, I certainly suggest checking out Kevin's site, Altcoin Graphs, and doing a little more research into investing into this stuff. It could certainly be a worthy investment for many people. And I might be completely wrong. Maybe this really is the greatest thing, you know, the greatest thing we've ever seen. Maybe it really will see the end of the Fed and a return to a more sane monetary system. It's totally possible. And, you know, none of this means the technology itself isn't useful or that digital currencies will not prosper in the future. I mean, I believe they will. But for me, and again, I might sound like a confused old grandpa <laughs> trying to figure out email for the first time, you know, but I think the future may be more in, in a digital type currency that actually is backed by something, whether that's gold, whether that's oil or that kind of thing that, that we discussed with Kevin as well. So, of course, as always, you guys should make up your own mind. I'm just here to bring you guys information and bring you my perspective. So take it for what you will. And I encourage you, of course, to form your own opinions and to share them with us. Of course, you can come communicate with us in so many ways on our social media, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. Over on the Twitter, send us some good old tweets at Lions of Liberty. You can always drop me an email directly. My email is Mark, M-A-R-C. Don't use that K, guys. M-A-R-C at lionsofliberty.com. And of course, if you enjoy the show, well... I hope you keep listening. There are so many ways you can listen to this show, whether it's on the go on iTunes, on the Stitcher radio app, whether you just want to catch us whenever we come on the air. We're on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. And we are now, I'd like to announce, starting this month, on a brand new project coming to you from Allison Bricker on LibertyTalk.FM. You can find us there every Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you like what you're hearing and you want to keep hearing this show every single week, if you want to maybe hear the show more than once a week, who knows? If we get enough support, we might do more and more of these shows. So if you do like the show and you do want to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. Of course, one is to go over to lionsofliberty.com. Head over to the right-hand side and click on that Amazon link. You can buy just about anything on the planet through Amazon. I'm not asking you to go out of your way and buy stuff you don't already want. But if there's stuff you would already purchase and you would already consider purchasing through Amazon anyway, at no cost yourself, you can help us get a little kickback by clicking on that link first. In addition to that, all I really ask for you to do is share this show with your friends. If you like it, tell your friends about it. Post it on your Facebook. Tweet it out. Send it to your dad, your mom, your grandparents. And come on back next week 
when my guest will be local activist here in Los Angeles, Jay Bieber, who, amongst other things, has been responsible for getting the red light cameras shut down in the city of Los Angeles. That's quite a victory. Can't wait to speak with him. And, of course, there's only one more thing I ask of you guys each and every week, and that is to live long and live free. (laughs) 